welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocato Press, based in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, welcome. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Demand and Disrupt a Disability Podcast. Today, we've got a treat for you. We're going to be talking to Keith Hosey, a longtime disability advocate. That's what he's been doing his whole life. His whole working career is advocating for the rights of people with disabilities. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about parenting, like we do. That's usually how we start. And and uh, some genetic stuff about uh, Keith's disability and how that impacted it. And then we're going to talk about mental health. And since we're right here in the thick of the holidays, I think it's a good time just to remind everyone to, you know, take care of yourself. It's tough out there. Um, you know, it's true what they say. Uh Put your own oxygen mask on first. You can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. So do that for yourself. It's uh, it's not surrender. It's not weak. It's the grown-up, mature thing to do. Take care of yourself first. Take care of other people. But, you know, look after yourself. You, when, when you've done too much, say that's it. The perfect gift does not exist. The perfect food, well, I don't know. I made a really awesome banana pudding, but... You know what I'm saying. Banana pudding is probably not the best way to take care of yourself. But, you know, feed your soul. That's what I say. So here we go with Keith Hosey. Okay, welcome, Keith Hosey. Tell me about yourself, Keith. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I am a a 40-something white male. Um, I go by he, him. Uh, I have short brown buzzed hair. Uh, and, and a uh, short beard, uh, which is also mostly brown now, though there's a, a little bit of gray creeping in. Um, and uh, I am a dad and a husband, and I am a scuba diver, though I haven't been in a while. Um, and uh, I have some disabilities, and I was in this book that you might know about. So I was asked to come on and talk to you, Kimberly. Yes, yes. And I'm glad you did finally, because I reached out to you like second and it's taken us this long, all these many, low yes. these many months. <laughs> I, I am so sorry. My schedule was very busy for a little while. Thankfully, it has died down. But in the interim, I've had the pleasure to listen to your earlier episodes and I love the podcast so far. I might be iffy on this episode. No, no. Thank you for saying that. We're, we're having a good time. We're getting, it, it's wonderful to me to get to tell these stories, especially of uh, parents, because I just don't think there was a lot out there before the book, which is, as I always need to mention the title, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities. And it was uh, put together and edited by our favorite Dave Mathis, who we do love dearly. So yes. Um, now, Keith, Keith, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because you and I share some genetic uh, disadvantages, which uh, kind of had to come into play when we were deciding whether or not to have kids. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I have, uh, I was born with a severe bilateral club feet. That, that's the diagnosis. Um, it is a uh, genetic disability, um, and there is a chance to pass it on. Uh, it, it was passed to me 
from both sides of the family. Uh, one uncle, one of my dad's brothers uh, also has club feet and one of my mom's uncles had club feet. So um, it combined into me and like, like the wonder twins uh, to create my situation. So when we were talking about uh, having a child, thinking about having a child, that was certainly one of the things that went into our conversation is, will this child also be born with club feet? Um, we don't know. Um, so, so luckily for me, uh, this wasn't too long ago and there were already lots of groups on the internet and even uh, some groups on Facebook at the time. And I found community. I found other people with my condition, my specific condition, club feet. And they were all different ages and uh, with all different experiences and severities. And, and I talked to some of them a little bit about it. And, I, and, I, and from them, I got some good information. And eventually my wife and I decided, uh, you know, that shouldn't even be a factor in our decision of having a child because of course we'd love our child with a disability. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't impact any quality of life that we could see. So it, it almost became a, a moot point at, at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot the same. I mean, the chapter, my uh, chapter in the book is called, uh, everything in life is a roll of the dice. So I think that tells you how the way we went with that too. So in, in retrospect, you know, when you're going through it though, making that decision, it is gut wrenching, isn't it? It is. Um, because you can't have that discussion without deep introspection onto your own life. Um, and, and the struggles you may have, I, I mean, I could, I'll speak for myself and the struggles that I had growing up. Um, I had uh, somewhere around a baker's dozen of surgeries from when I was six weeks old uh, until the last one, um, which I was a sophomore in high school. So, um, you know, I, and, and the thought of having a child have to go through something like that was was more in my decision making than the thought of having a child with some type of disability. Um, and so some of what I did was do some research into current treatments of club feet because, hey, it was 30 years later and surely someone's figured something out. And, and there are uh, new treatments and different treatments. And, uh, you know, I, I think that again, it just eventually it just kind of made sense that why would why are we even worrying about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, exactly. It's um, you know, I want to. I always say when we talk about this is I my choice does not have any bearing on anyone else's choice, and their choice shouldn't have any bearing on mine. I always uh, right. say that. Um, the choice being the operative word there. Um. And I, I want to kind of pivot and talk about disability pride because you, you said something. Um, I did not, I did not realize that disability pride was a hot topic. Um, it's a great topic. 
it's well, it's a, it's a, it. You know, there's people got issues. I mean, they they have, they have, people have views about about this. I, I, I both ways. Um, sure. So it's like you said, you didn't want your child to go through. And, and let us say you did have an a a beautiful, healthy daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, That's correct. Yes. So. Um, um, spoiler alert, it all turned out fine in the end. <laughs> and it um, would have, yeah, absolutely. Yes, either way. either way, it would have turned out fine in the end. But uh Keith has a, a beautiful daughter, Kayla. Is that her name? Her name is Kayla, and Kayla. um she fools a lot of people into thinking that she is sweet. <laughs> but she is definitely a nine-year-old girl. Oh, they're tricky at that age. <laughs> oh, they are tricky. I love mm-hmm. her very much though. So much, so, so much love with, for your, your kids. Um, but you said, um, you wouldn't want your child to go through that. And same here. Um, Mm -hmm. my daughter, my daughter has had three surgeries on her eyes already. So, Mm -hmm. um, I I wouldn't trade her for nothing, uh, at, at all. Um, but you know, a lot of people who I talk to who are disabled and I ask them about disability pride and they say, no, they would not consider themselves. That is not a label that they would wear. Disability is not a label that they wear proudly. And I think the thinking is because if they could choose, they would choose not to be disabled. Right. Um. So can you talk a little bit about, because you're pretty open about disability pride. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, First of all, you're giving away all of our inside secrets to the (laughs) non-disabled. They're not supposed to know we would all choose to not be disabled. Come on. Um, uh, No, and, and in all seriousness, I think that's actually a true statement because if you asked me tomorrow, I would want, I, I live with chronic pain. I would want that to go away. I have my migraines, I have migraines, I have depression, I have anxiety. Heck yeah, if I could snap my fingers and make that go away, I would. But that doesn't mean that I'm not proud to be a member of the disability community. And, and that's where I think the hang up there is, is I'm not necessarily proud of my disabilities um, because they bring me challenges and sometimes pain and and uh, lots of times as you know financial <laughs> costs um, amen to that yeah it is not cheap to be disabled right so oh so not cheap so not cheap mm-hmm. um, yeah but but it's not it's not so much that, but it's a sense of community and being proud of the, the community that we, we could have and do have around our disability identity, the subculture uh, that exists not only just generally around disability, but you even have subcultures within our subculture. You have uh, deaf culture. Um, you, you have, uh, you know, blind culture uh, is a little, you know, it's different things. You have uh, the autistic community. Uh, they, they have, you know, their own cultural things going on. And it's all just, I think, really cool and, 
and the people that miss it because they don't see us all as people, um, they're missing really beautiful stuff, you know, movies. And um, I, I mean, the first time I ever saw a deaf storyteller, um, it was amazing to see them work. Um, you know, we have uh, just amazing stories within our community too. We have a rich history. Unfortunately, a lot of that history is fighting for our rights uh, and fighting for space and fighting for equity and inclusion. But even within those fights, you, you find community and pride. You look at, um, you know, the sit-in in, um, in San Francisco in 1977, and you have uh, all different types of people with all different types of disabilities united to get uh, uh, pressure on the, the government. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, that's when I talk about disability pride or when it, I, and, and I can only speak for myself, but, but from what I've seen, there are many other people out there, you know, Chicago has a disability pride parade um, every year. So, you know, it's not just like Keith Hosey's idea. I, I stole it <laughs> from many other, many, many other disabled advocates, but um, it, it's this idea that we have community and um, we should see the bright, spots, the bright spots in our community. Yeah, as soon as, I mean, the first, uh, I think I told you before, I had a kid 14 years ago, had my son 14 years ago. And honestly, I just never got any more information till like, I don't know, last week or something. It's just, I was so focused on, um, yeah. you know, the parenting that I, uh, I just missed a lot. But when I got back into like reading about, you know, disability culture, disability culture and where were we and things, that was the first time I had heard the phrase disability pride. And I have to tell you, it absolutely stirred something in me that, damn, this is a thing now, you know, yes. and it, it, it was amazing. And I was like, yeah, I am proud to be in this community because I met you. I met Carissa, who we've had on the show. So many, yeah. so many awesome people. I know so many people's histories and it's not, it's not the overcoming thing, you know, I mean, it, it's not the inspo porn of, right. oh, it's this group of people who've done so much in such terrible circumstances. It's not that. It's just this group of people. I've had to, as you can tell, I have had to search my own thoughts about this. And so I think, okay, what is the opposite of pride? And the opposite of pride, as best I can tell, is shame. Mm -hmm. And shame is what they want us to have. Absolutely. And I'm not, and I'm not doing that. And I'm not, I'm not going to, pers I'm not going, I'm not, I don't want my daughter to see that. So if the opposite of pride is shame, then heck yeah, I'm proud. Um, so yeah. anyway, so that was, that, that went some places, didn't it? <laughs> well, was, I think that was awesome. Um, and, you know, and you touched on something too, as a, um, you know, as a mother with a disability, raising a, ch a child with a disability, 
um, you know, how you raise that child makes all the difference. I, um, Sandra, who is one of the chapters in our book. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I talked to Sandra. She uh, is an amazing individual, um, not because she's blind and she did all the things she did. She's just like a really cool person. And um, <laughs> absolutely, uh, I've gotten to learn her story a little more. I've done a couple panels with her. Um, and then I uh, had her do a, a spot for me at work. And her, her parents were blind and her dad worked his whole life. And his expectation was that his blind daughter would work when she was old enough to work. And uh, George W. Bush uh, coined it uh, something about the, the slow prejudice of low expectations. And part of disability pride is saying that we can be part of community. We can be a hundred percent part of the community if we have the right supports. And if the barriers are brought down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, you know, we'll, we'll teach people how to do community. We'll teach compassion. We'll, we'll teach you how we'll teach other people how to, you know, how, how to bring people in fully to community. So, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned having chronic migraines and, uh, mm-hmm. and things, and it, it seems to me like sometimes, that may be, I mean, it's extra disability. It's other stuff that, that you have, um, Mm -hmm. that sometimes that might be more disabling to you than the genetic issue. Sometimes it is. It's, it's like a fight between them sometimes, Uh, (laughs) you know, who wants to control my life the most. So yeah, no, it, it is. Um, I, I, you know, I do have chronic pain, uh, as a result of, uh, my last surgery that I had, um, on one of my feet and I do, um, deal with that every day, of course. Uh, but there are days where if I get a migraine, he gets front of the class, like, you know, he's in the limo and everyone else is on the curb because that's all I can deal with. So that, yeah, mm-hmm. when I, when I get a, when I get one of those migraines, I'm out for hours, if not the whole day and everything else is secondary at that point. Doesn't matter if I'm in a, uh, you know, if I'm having a depressive episode, it doesn't matter if my foot hurts, the migraines (laughs) front seat. Uh uh And so how does that impact your parenting? You know, it, um, it has impacted my parenting because I, there have been times where I just could not function other than acute, taking care of the acuteness of my condition at that point. And um, I, I think Kayla adapted to it pretty well. Uh, you know, it, little kids scream and, and are loud and, and make lots of noise. And at a very young age, you know, she learned, uh, I, I actually didn't develop uh, my mental health conditions until she was actually born. She was maybe two or three, but even at five or six, she knew daddy's head hurts. I, I, I need to be quiet because it really hurts. And, and there were times where, you know, daddy didn't go to the zoo with them because he had a migraine that day or something. 
So, um, you know, it, it's impacted it in that way. Uh, thankfully, I, I am now actually on a new migraine medicine that I can take when I get one. And it, and it does a good job of knocking it down enough that I can function. But that is was, great. Yeah, there was a time where that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. I have I have just, you know, heard of people having migraines. They sound truly, truly just deadful, dreadful, just debilitating. Right. I mean. And they're also different, you know, because. For example, um, I mean, mine, I, I feel it throughout my body. I actually, uh, I know a migraine is coming on because I'll, limbs will go numb sometimes, um, mm -hmm. or I'll get a tingling, kind of like the Spidey sense from Spider-Man. I'll get a, a tingling uh, on the back of my neck and I'll know that, uh, you know, it's, I, I have a migraine coming on. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you said, uh, that little kids make lots of noise. Mm. I, I, it does, it does not stop. <laughs> My 14 year old son is noisy, just noisy. All the things he does are noisy. His gadgets are noisy. Lots of lots of noise. It's no, it's just a different noise, right? It's just a different noise, but it's not any lower. It, yep, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. uh, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last thing I want to talk about is I do want to find out, tell me all about ADAPT and explain that for our listeners who might not know what ADAPT is because super cool ADAPT is. Uh, yeah. So ADAPT, um, speaking of disability history, um, ADAPT yeah, it stands for something new now, right? Something different. You're right. Yes. So, um, and I'm, I'm searching for the letters. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, adapt, uh, they used to be, uh, all about public transportation. That's what the PT was an adapt. Um, and in the eighties, late seventies, eighties adapt organized and, and they're all about direct action and they, um, so uh, throughout, across the country, they started um, in Colorado, and then throughout the country, they started blocking buses to get accessible buses. Uh, this was before the ADA. They, um, they would, some of them would chain themselves the buses, or they would just park their wheelchairs right all around the bus so that the bus could not move. Um, we, we had that happen in Louisville, um, uh, uh, Arthur Campbell was one of those people in Louisville that, that blocked the bus. Huge uh, shout out to Arthur Campbell. He's, um, he wants to be on the podcast. So we are working on it. One of, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm absolutely. Um, so, so now, uh, now they are more focused on attendant care, um, and access to attendant care, but, it's a, a national organization that has local chapters that are about advocacy and that are kind of like our radical wing. They're not afraid to show up and block doorways and, and demand answers. Um, and uh, so I, I have a dream to bring ADAPT to Kentucky because we don't have a chapter here in Kentucky. Wow. So, so how close are you? Cause I I'm, I'm in for that. Count me in. I want to help with that. 
Um, if any of our listeners have about $10,000. Ooh, so we're going that way, are we? <laughs> um, well, I, I will tell you, um, this has just been something that I've worked on um, since, I, I don't know if you remember, 2017, they called it the summer of ADAPT. Um, and essentially, essentially, ADAPT saved the ACA that summer. Um, they were really you know, the, um, the, um, the Congress was working to repeal a number of parts and basically just gut it and uh, adapt showed up. They, they showed up in DC and they showed up at their local, local um, places. And I, I just remember you know, I, I knew of ADAPT and um, I had heard stories of the old days of, you know, Arthur Block and the bus on Chestnut Street. Um, but then to see these people protesting in D.C. right outside of Mitch McConnell's office being carried out of their wheelchairs for our all of our health care. Um, and and I had a friend I have a friend who is involved with ADAPT in Alaska uh, and, uh, you know, they, Alaska was in, in, instrumental with um, Senator Murkowski and, and getting those couple people to decide not to get rid of the ACA. Um, and, and ADAPT essentially saved the ACA that summer. And, and, I th- and then I thought, you know, we should have had ADAPT here in Kentucky. We should have been at our senators and our representatives' offices fighting yeah. for this yeah. and the ACA uh, of course is the Affordable Care Act yes um, I'm sorry the no, no. Um, um, and and then and so so ever since then I've just been talking to people about it you know it wouldn't it be cool if this happened what wouldn't why don't why don't why don't we do this you know there's there's problems um you know and, and I want every tool in the belt you know you don't always need the the blunt end but um, you, you know, some, you, you want every option out there when you're advocating. And so we have some interested individuals and, um, we, we've had a couple, um, zoom meetings over the last couple months. Um, we've reached out, we've spoken to some individuals with national adapt and, uh, essentially, um, you know, we're working towards it. Um, so hopefully one day, uh, you know, and, and when I say bring adapt to Kentucky, that's not outside people. That's, that's us being right. trained and starting a chapter and doing direct actions. Mm-hmm. So, um, if anybody wants to help out or, or, um, wants to find out more, they can, uh, email us here at demand and disrupt at gmail.com. And I'll forward that on to you. Sound good. That sounds fantastic. And if anyone send, anyone wants to send checks, that's that's wonderful. Send money, right? Also great. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, Keith, that is uh, all I, I I have to talk about. It's been great. You're always wonderful to talk to. Um, I best wishes. I hope we get adapt in Kentucky and start making some differences there. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. Thanks, Keith, for joining us and for looking into getting a chapter of ADAPT started here in Kentucky. And uh, to you listening, um, Keith wanted me to mention that 
the $10,000 he mentioned would be nice, but that is in no way required by ADAPT to start a chapter. It's just that, you know, organization takes money and mailings take money. You know, things take money to, to get something off the ground. And we want to get ADAPT off the ground. We want it to be successful. So um, if you're interested, there's a link to ADAPT in the show notes where you can check out what they've done and see more about them. And also, you know, send me an email at demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and I will forward that on to Keith. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for our providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Just for once I think I would agree We both know there's a difference We've had our curtain calling This time the writing's on the wall Oh, no.